Hello, and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, a podcast where we talk about trailers, movies, TV shows, and everything pop culture. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the new Disney Plus show, Hawkeye. My name is Emmett, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and Fortnite Chapter 3 conspiracy theorist, Ivan. Did you know that Peely is actually Jonesy? Like, I had no idea. Is this another one of your theories? <laughs> no, isn't that isn't that true? Like, or I is read this, this true? <laughs> I can never tell. No, no. Listen, I read this in the Forbes article. I'm pretty sure they oh, know what Forbes. you're talking. I, go, I trust Forbes with everything. Yeah, I trust Forbes with everything too. I just I just bought a new pair of like uh, decorative soaps under their recommendation a couple days ago. <laughs> Of course, the decorative soaps were Star Wars themed, but, you know, that's got nothing to do with it here. It is really impressive, though, uh, not to ignore your soap comment, but it is really impressive <laughs> that uh, Fortnite's still pretty strong right now. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm, I feel like uh, some a, a couple people kind of dropped it a little bit, like some of the prominent like streamers and names. Right. Like, I don't see it as readily as I used to see it before, but it's I feel like it's made enough improvements that it's uh, stayed kind of relevant. Yeah, it it definitely shifted to like you have to be super skilled to play it, which is kind of annoying. But even if you're just like a weekend warrior like like us, it's still fun to just do challenges because their partnerships with, you know, like Marvel or uh, Star Wars or DC, it's like they have a lot of cool partnerships going on. Does that ever bother you though? Like, do you ever think that it's too much? Because I, I I've heard people. Oh, for sure. Like, if you go to that store page right now, it's literally, like, seven rows of different, like, partnerships. Like, there's Ghostbusters, and then right after it, it's, like, uh, what's the anime? Naruto, I think, right? That's the (laughs) big one right now. It's, like, it's so many things going on. Yeah, it should be a little bit better balanced, probably. But I I think that it's kind of cool when they incorporate stuff that's kind of out of left field, like, the alien and um, like they had Ripley in the store a couple months ago. Um, they had who else? And, and when they did that Marvel collab where they had like all the heroes on the map, that was actually a lot of fun. It was, even though like I know people complained about that season a lot because of the powers and all that, but I feel like it like shook things up enough that I feel like, and honestly, that actually might be the first and only season where I unlocked everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I definitely went over level 200, I think. Whoa, look who's bragging. Just for this one time. <laughs> <laughs> you bought your way there. Don't even. Don't I mislead did, what, people. Did I? Did, no, you no. You buy the no. 100 levels, don't you? I do not. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> I, I did, though, buy my way to that Mando Beskar skin. Because like, I was not going to be yeah, patient enough to, to, to be sure you were getting that. I needed to. I was like, I, I don't know if I have the skill to get through it. Also, sometimes it's really slow. But that was another up. great collab, too. Uh, having Mando and having all the lightsabers and stuff like that. We're getting Book of Boba in a few weeks, right? I think that's the next collab. I'm still thinking on a Spider-Man outfit in Fortnite. Um, given that we're recording this on Spider-Monday, I'm kind of shocked that there was nothing um, announced Fortnite-wise for it. I think it might be like a chapter three thing, which is launching at the end of this week, right? Yeah, I think you're right. Maybe. So, 
totally new chapter, maybe a new map, all that stuff. Kind of a weird conversation topic for our our pod here. We we usually don't get into the Fortnite crowd. Well, I mean, we used to have video games as part of our intro, <laughs> right? <Did we? laughs> over a year, sure I, I can't remember any of the anything from a year ago. Well, now we can add it right back into the intro, and it'll be just like <laughs> nothing ever changed. So either it'll will it will be it will have been in the intro, and we've re-recorded, or as a listener, you can just imagine it was there. Probably that latter. <laughs> On our Patreon exclusive channels. <laughs> uh, let's get into some news real quick before we talk Hawkeye. Can we talk uh, about Spider Monday though? Given yeah. The fact that it, it is Spider Monday at the because time of recording. Everything revolves around Spider Man. It does, especially because <laughs> I can't share exclusive artwork <laughs> per episode. <laughs> so, to anybody listening who's confused as to why <laughs> your podcast based on Hawkeye currently has a Spider Man artwork on it. Um, just enjoy it. <laughs> it's only, it's only gonna be. Uh, you're only gonna have to qualify that statement for a few weeks because it's gonna change back to a different artwork. <laughs> so in the future, it might not even have that need that yeah, qualifier. It'll, it'll be the generic one again. So for the three <laughs> people who are listening to this in the future, live this yeah. week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you missed some great stellar Spider-Man artwork. But uh, Sp- Spider Monday instead of Cyber Cyber Monday, ticket sales went on uh went live for no way home far from home no way home no way home more like or, no way you're getting a ticket yeah i was about to say yeah that was quite an experience um th- were you I- i'm assuming it's a no because i feel like you're a lot more chilled about this than i am but like did you entertain trying to get tickets uh last night at midnight at all or was that no, I was sound asleep, uh, you know, getting my beauty rest. Uh, no, I, it's a totally different ball game not having to go to a NYC theater. The suburbs have not even like half sold their opening night and uh, opening day movies. So I'm going to get a tickets easily. I could probably buy it the day of. <laughs> wow. Look who's flexing on. <laughs> yeah. Move to the suburbs. I should, honestly. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I I feel like um, this felt almost like, you know, we forgot about the pandemic for three hours, more or less. <laughs> it did go crazy. I saw all the headlines saying, like, all these sites are crashing. They can't handle the traffic. It was like a like a shoe release or something. Yeah, like the new Air Force Jordans dropped and like everybody's at their local I don't even know journeys. Uh, <laughs> where did nope, they sell these? That. It's all done online now. <laughs> yeah, I've still seen like lines for those. No, but it's so. I think I texted you Saturday. Was it? I don't know. I, I, Let's I go with Saturday. I, I think it was Saturday. I'm pretty sure it was Saturday. Um, <laughs> I heard from a friend that there were a couple of um, some of the bigger movie theaters in the city were starting to sell tickets, and I guess somebody had kind of leaked it either on Facebook or instagram i don't know i'm not very social media savvy (laughs) on that but clearly um but he ran over to the amc in times square and apparently there was a very long line looping around the block was Uh, it true yeah apparently he was able to get a couple of tickets uh for the imax screening um i don't know I, i guess that must have been like a 
either like a mistake or something because like I, I stopped by, I think I was around Union Square and the Regal Theater there wasn't selling the tickets yet. Um, they had the banner up that said tickets now on sale, but when you would go in, the kiosks and the tellers were both uh, not letting you purchase. Uh, yeah, I thought it was like a, a rule of how early it can be sold, right? Yeah, they weren't able to sell them until midnight last night, um, but it does sound like some theaters broke the rules. Um, that being said, though, I think anybody who went in person to get your tickets probably got it much faster than the poor souls like myself who tried to get it online last night because uh, from my experience, and I'll tell you real quick, I was trying to get tickets for the Alamo Draft House uh, Theater here in, um, I think it was in downtown Brooklyn. And yeah, no, I had five seconds to click on my theater showing uh, time. And then like I clicked on it, went to add to cart and that's it. I, I, I had no, um, I had no ability to check out after that. It's just an endless cycle of loading screens. Oof. I tried uh, Fandango. I tried Adam tickets, all of it. I would get as close to selecting my seats and then it would say it would give me like an error code or something. Yikes. But you got yours. You're set. Yes, eventually I did. I actually, Fandango ended up pulling through for me in the in the end. I'm wondering, though, I'm curious what this box office is going to be. I hope we get some, like, pre-order sales figures. That would, it's, it's got to be, I, I set the bar pretty low my first guess, but I'm thinking it's going to be over 150 opening weekend. It probably will be. I, I have a feeling that um, we're going to see like at least half of what Endgame made uh, on opening weekend. I mean, like I don't mean like the for the full run. Uh, yeah. I think in 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 the non-COVID world, we probably would have easily seen this movie make a lot of money, like comparatively to to Endgame or to Infinity War. I think it's gonna still do that. Like, <laughs> for some reason, Spider-Man just resonates with everybody. It could be like I, the the thing is like it's tough, right? Because there's there's certain movies where I feel like it probably wasn't easy five hundred mil or so that they could have made, but yet nobody's been able to reach those numbers, uh, those pre-pandemic like sweet totals there. Uh, if anyone can, I guess you're right. It, it probably is this movie, but we'll see. I, I have to think that they at least broke records for pre-sales. Yeah, I would love to see that info. But uh, as we said, we're recording it on Monday, so nothing's been released yet. No, it'll be a couple of days before we get any um, tallies up on that. Hey, uh, speaking of the third thing always in our uh, intro, TV shows. Wheel of Time on Amazon Prime. Have you started watching this yet? I have not. It's on my radar of things to watch, but it, I can't, haven't quite gotten to it. It's being dropped weekly. This is the fourth week right now, uh, or the third week. I think they did a Hawkeye where they released two on the first weekend. And uh, it's it's pretty interesting. It's kind of like Thrones, kind of like Lord of the Rings a little bit. Um but it, the nice thing about this is it's kind of similar to the boys in the way of like being a little bit gorier of a show and like not being afraid to show some violence. Uh, it's not quite as bad as the boys. I'll, I'll say that nobody gets 
run through by the speed of light. <laughs> but it is cool. Like Amazon is willing to go in that direction with their shows. What's uh, visually like? Does it look like it's a high budget show or? It's kind of in the mix. It's got like, it definitely did a lot of um, like on location budget. The CGI budget isn't perfect. So some of like the magic that they do and some of like the beasts that are in this uh, don't look amazing. It kind of looked like the first season of The Witcher when they had some of those magical beasts. Like that's what you should kind of picture. Like, it almost looks like it's a prosthetic, but you know it was CGI. <laughs> yeah, so it's like a respectable budget, I guess. Yeah, it's got Amazon behind it. Well, I'm surprised because, um, well, not surprised. Like, I, I'm, I guess it's, I want to like, I guess it's easy to use this series as kind of like a, to kind of take the temperature of what Amazon can do because they have that really expensive Lord of the Rings show coming up. Yes. Um, yeah. So. They're definitely like taking a big dive into the fantasy realm there because I forget how many books there are in this series. I think it's six, maybe six or seven. Um, I've read three of them. Uh, so that, like it, it's definitely it's not a Lord of the Rings in terms of scale, the story. I mean, but like it, it, it definitely is like a world building kind of Game of Thrones level um, piece of literature. Yeah, it's it's like the like chosen one type of plot. Uh, that you get out of Thrones with some of like the magical beasts and and stuff like that of um, Lord of the Rings. So it's an interesting little watch. It's uh, like hour long episodes, pretty good cliffhangers. So if you're into that, I probably would recommend it for you. Yeah, definitely got to check it out. It's definitely like I said, it's on my list of the shows to watch. Um, so it probably is on my on, on the next on the next on my next uh, binge session. I do have one other thing, I guess, to bring up in, in terms of news. I feel like uh, this is something that I don't think we quite touched on yet, but because, uh, you know, I, I kind of want to bring us back to Spider Monday <laughs> conversation real quick before we get into it. And also, um, I, th- I think I think appropriate since we're in the midst of releasing our Spider-Man series here. But um, I don't know if you saw this, but this morning there was a there was like a big um, article that was dropped uh, I think from Variety and Hollywood Reporter Um, so Amy Pascal the producer of the uh, Spider-Man movies over at Sony confirmed that they are indeed looking to tie Tom Holland down for another three movies so No Way Home is definitely not the end of Spider-Man in the MCU like a lot of uh, I guess commentators were saying over the last couple of weeks, because everybody was kind of pointing at this as like literal Spider-Man Endgame, as in this is the goodbye to the MCU Spidey. Uh, but it sounds like that's not the case. Yeah, I did see that headline. Um, is that too much, Spider-Man? He's gonna be like a old man by that by that end of that trilogy. So I think from the reports, it's supposed to cover his college years. Honestly, like I don't think we can ever have too much. <laughs> no, there Spider-Man. will be a point. Six well, movies I, for him, six what solo I mean, though, movies. Plus, he's been in like three other ones. Well, here's the thing: like we've never explored like full-on college-age Peter Parker. We've never explored like the 
the career-facing <laughs> adult Peter Parker. It's always been like this transition period between. Well, that's like that's like a TV series you want. Then that's not that that's the issue with these things is that they want to make these epic movies, but it's like you could you could handle that in a series. Normally, I would say yes. I I feel like too much of one thing is is you know going to kind of bring it down. What I will say though is if they handle this well it shouldn't feel like a big you know oversaturation of it only because that you have so much to pull from like so much actual good stories to pull from from the spider-man lore and and that's something that other marvel characters don't have right like i i don't know how many more guardian stories we can dish out before we run out of content to pull from i mean i'm not making the case that we make more of those <laughs> no no no. i'm just saying like like i'm we, all we, for like keep giving us like shang chi's like give us new heroes that we can kind of build a franchise around i think part of the problem too is like you got rid of cap you got rid of um iron man at least the the you know the 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 two iconic characters that donned those mantles initially and so now who else is left to kind of you know i guess connect the two that's like that's speaking like an addict though like that's like i need more thor and i need more spider-man because those are like my comfort zones and just one more hit of them like move on let Eternals take over. Let Shang-Chi take over. Have guest appearances from guys like Wong. Give Wong a solo series on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> That's what we're trying to allude to here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like if they, if they play their cards right, this could be a great thing. Um, the one thing I do have to say, like, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about this, and that's because... Anytime Sony has creative control over anything, it's it's always about the big bucks and not, you know, creativity for creativity's sake. So I don't know, like, as long as Marvel continues to be the guiding uh, force behind the creative decisions there, I think we're in good hands. I do agree, though, like, I, I hope that this isn't something where you're going to get Spider-Man showing up everywhere now, almost like you kind of had Iron Man play that part before. You get what I mean? Like, I don't want peter parker to start showing up and after the credit sequences for everybody's movies <laughs> there's stories that 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 i think are, are worth telling with him um you know i could think of the army of the symbiotes thing with uh now that we have venom in play in the universe i can think of an actual sinister six buildup. um we have we still haven't gotten that storyline uh oh, we haven't gotten get the storyline coming in two weeks <laughs> We haven't gotten Craven's Last Hunt story. That's another iconic one. We haven't gotten the uh, Spider-Man versus Kingpin storyline. Th- there's a lot that they can pull from from this that I feel like they'll, as long as they're pulling from the right content there, we're fine. Uh, but if they don't and they start kind of repeating things over and over again, then we may be in a little bit of a oversaturation uh, situation. That kind of rhymed, oversaturation situation. <laughs> Agreed. Let's save that for the rest of the Spider-Man series, though. You got it. <laughs> we'll pick this up later. For now, let's let's talk Hawkeye, the new show. I, for one, absolutely loved everything about this show. Really? Yeah. Well, we had but different experiences watching this. <laughs> convince me otherwise, please. Give us your spoiler-free thoughts. Spoiler-free. All right. I don't know. I'm not captivated by this series opening i it, i know it's early on so I'm, i'll give it the benefit of the doubt that it, it can get better but it uh and maybe it's just because i'm biased because i don't really like jeremy renner <laughs> but you i don't just like jeremy renner 
No. <laughs> I just I just feel like with Wanda, I know this is unfair also to compare it to other shows, but I'm going to do it anyway. I, with like with Wanda and with Loki, they were presented with like major threats in their opening episodes that or major mysteries that like really draw you in. Um and like Falcon and Winter Soldier kind of took on bigger topics which made theirs uh worth watching but with this one it's just like it's just poised to be like an attempt at being a funny christmas themed um show kind of like a diehard so i don't know i the episodes were like what like 45 50 minutes and i feel like not that much was accomplished well i Story-wise, there was a lot that kind of happened. I I think what you're saying though is that like in terms of scope and in terms of like um, impact, I guess on the world on on the MCU, like they're kind of this show is kind of inconsequential to that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like it doesn't have to be uh, time and space altering like uh, Loki, but it can be. It could stand for something like a Falcon and Winter Soldier. Like, if you're a hero not dealing with mega powers like Wanda, then, I don't know, have your series stand for something and mean something. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I get where you're coming from with it. Because, yeah, like, I, I was going to say, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier was very small in scale as well, but it was a very personable story, especially when it, like, tackled racism and all these other themes of, um, you know, the legacy of, of, of a symbol like Captain America. Whereas over here, it's, like, a very small scale kind of uh story and like the way that they're approaching it is also it reminds me of the netflix uh daredevil series i can't speak to that but it if this like if its ultimate message is something about like family matters or something like that i'll be pretty annoyed i don't think that's what you're gonna get out of this <laughs> i kind of just... do it seems like they're just going for that like because he was with his family the whole beginning they get into her family type stuff and it's centered around Christmas, so it seems like it's going to be very agenda-focused on that. I think there's going to be elements of that for sure. Um, look, I, I think for me, uh, this is kind of... So I, I think I, I talked about this a lot, but they're taking a lot of inspiration, especially, like, it, it's not any more obvious than in the credits and the, the opening and closing credits of the series. They're taking a lot of inspiration for the Mad Fraction run of the of the comics for Hawkeye. Uh, which was, was one of the best comic books <laughs> in modern um, comic times. And that's not really saying a lot because I feel like a lot a lot of the content in there has just kind of been a little stale uh, for the last decade or so. But uh, Matt Fraction's run on Hawkeye is what kind of made Hawkeye a very likable character for comic readers, which is something he was missing for a while. Like they, re- they didn't really do all that much with him. Um, and that kind of translated to the MCU because I feel like he's been a very... You know, he's a B-lister character, but you can almost argue that he's a C-lister, even though he's, you know, one of the founding members of the Avengers, right? But um, th- this story for me feels like a very pocket kind of show uh, kind of taking place in its own world. I think you're right. Like, there's no, it doesn't feel like it's having a big impact on the MCU overall, but I've, I enjoyed it mainly because of the chemistry between uh, between the two leads. You know, between Kate Bishop and, and Clint, 
there's certain things that I feel like uh, work really well, and that's Haley Ste- uh, Haley Steinfeld. I think is perfect for the role. Uh, that said, I'll tell you this one thing that has kind of bothered me in the first two episodes, and that's that the show is called Hawkeye, and I kind of get it because you know Kate Bishop eventually also becomes Hawkeye herself, but I feel like this is more her show than it is Hawkeye's actual show. Yeah, I don't know. I don't love her in the role either. <laughs> you don't? What? She's like, she's like drywall, man. She's just like boring in the role. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, there's a lot of likability to her for me, anyway. But I don't know. We're looking at this from two completely different angles, for once. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got the. This might be a more of a um, fanfare for comic book readers, which can be. I'll say it's well deserved. Like if you're going to put in the time to read a Hawkeye comic book, go ahead, like then make, get a show for it. But as like an average Stan, you know, it's not that exciting. You're taking kind of boring, like you said, C lister, B lister, borderline Avenger who we haven't seen that much of, but he's been there from the beginning. And this is like the tail end of his career. He's their lucky token though. Like, they haven't lost the battle with Hawkeye in there, but they've lost every battle without him. Didn't he end up in prison? <laughs> hey, listen, let's not nitpick here. Okay? <laughs> no, you can't make a statement like that. <laughs> they still won. <laughs> My point is the universe wasn't des- destroyed when uh, when Hawkeye is around, right? He takes the L constantly, but the universe isn't destroyed here. <laughs> All I'm saying I, I, is he should have been the one who retrieved the Soul Stone. Probably. Not the one who brought it back. I, I, you know what it is, man. Like, I think, I think for me, I feel like this this series has been a very, very, or it seems it seems it's almost poised to be this like introduction in, introduction to street level Marvel heroes. Um, and there's a lot of them that I really like, right? They're like, like I've I've talked about the Netflix shows a couple times here. Um, I still think like you love your Daredevil. We know Daredevil I. and the Punisher were great series. They were. We get it. Nobody we, else has watched those. I don't know, man. I I would disagree with that. There's a reason why they're bringing Charlie Cox back in in the Spider-Man movie. Like that, like those shows, they're good. The characters are great. Um, this is almost like Marvel's attempt to reintroduce those characters through this show. Uh, we get. The introduction to Maya Lopez at the end of the second episode. Like, there's just yeah, stuff. Just that's spoilers. Wait, nobody knows who she is. Okay. Yeah, I, still, <laughs> I don't have a clue. I was like falling asleep at that part of that show. Let's get into spoilers. <laughs> uh, real spoilers. quick though. Yeah. Are you recommending this show on the first couple episodes, or because for me personally, I'm saying I can't recommend it yet to like an average fan if they haven't seen it already. But think- I'm willing to like. What is it, Eat Crow? If that's wrong, like if it if by the end of the series it's won me over. Yeah, I, I would recommend that people stay tuned to it. Um, would I recommend it to just start watching it out right here? I don't know. I feel like without I think giving anything away here, um, and this is just me guessing. I, I know there's certain things coming from stuff that I've heard, but and the trailers have been pretty, uh, you know, giving yeah. in what they've shown. Yeah. Uh, episode four. I think by the time you get to episode four, I feel like people are probably going to have a different opinion on the show. Um, but like after Loki one, you would have recommended it, right? 
Uh, yeah, I probably would. I, I, it's, it's, the thing is, I feel like this show, more than the rest of the series that we've had before, is taking a step back. I feel like this show is what people expected Disney Plus Marvel shows to be. Well, I need them to step on the gas, not take a step back. <laughs> no, well, this, that, is, this is probably just going to be like a lighthearted type of just progress one plot, not progress the MCU. We're seeing Hawkeye suffer the consequences of being Ronin, which we barely touched on in Endgame, which was, right. I think I said this before, but like an interesting uh, side story for him in the, in the books. So if they explore that, I think this could be a really, really great show. If they don't and they just follow the Mad Fraction story, your average audience is going to have fun with it. But I think it's, you know, nothing more than really that. But I think the meat of this show is going to be largely dependent on how they handle the Ronin aspect of this uh, of this series, which, uh, you know, we'll get into in the spoiler section here. Yeah, I just wanted to, you know, get that on record for both of us where we're at after the initial opening. Uh, but yes, let's get into some spoilers. Uh, specific scenes, plots, character discussion. So if you haven't seen it and you plan to, uh, go ahead, throw us on pause and come back later. So why don't we start with episode one titled Never Meet Your Heroes. And I'll say, the you know, contrary to what I just was talking about, this was a strong opening to a, to a series. And that's why I was like, Oh, this is what this is going to be like. This is awesome. Like having an opening sequence of her as a child, seeing Avenger, the events of en- Avengers one in New York City and like Hawkeye inadvertently saving her. Um, I liked that intro because I like we've talked about before. We love getting those points of views of like people during the blip or like, where were you during that moment that you don't really think about? That was a really cool moment, too, to have that one particular... Because I remember we had a close-up shot, right, of the melting arrow on the yep. Chitari's thing. And, like, to tie that directly back to him inadvertently saving Kate was incredible. <laughs> I thought it was really... I like when they do that, when they tie things back in. It just makes it seem like, oh, we planned this the whole time. Well, really not, but, like, you know, it gives you that little moment. Yeah, and that building is obviously familiar from the... Avengers one, two, so, or one as well, not two. Um, so yeah, like you said, like they don't have to be as well planned as like a Breaking Bad, but it almost gives you the impression like, oh, maybe they did plan that type of thing. The one thing to kind of point out though, like, and you know, going through specifically like Kate's childhood and all that, where were her parents? <laughs> they legit disappeared for like a good 10, 10 or so minutes when they were like clearly right behind her. Um, when the sequence began, that just kind of put me off a little bit because I'm like, the mom clearly disappeared or went somewhere. Uh, wasn't she going to get the board game? Was she? I don't know. That 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 penthouse is huge. Yeah, that's the problem with the wealthy. Okay, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of rooms. <laughs> you know, you don't know where your room is and where the help's room is. <laughs> Did the help take my? checkers board again i bet you they did <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so strong opening and that did set the tone for me being like okay this could be really cool and then it was it moved into present day and was kind of funny seeing like the uh, clint spending time with his family and seeing that captain america themed play so i'm i'm getting this like opening sequence where i'm like okay we got great action callbacks a little bit of humor in here um 
I think from there it kind of like deters for me. But but what's up with him being deaf now? Is that from F Endgame? They're really kind of forcing that because in the comics, uh, Clint is deaf, like from the start. <laughs> it's due to a like childhood accident um, that happened to him. But like he's never been deaf in the MCU, and I feel like in this show they they're kind of just like forcing it to. And they kind of explain it, right? Like, like, oh, it, it, it's because he's taken a lot of battle damage, I guess, over the years. Uh, yeah. Even he that, makes a joke of like, oh, I don't know, I don't know what, why it happened. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't sit well. <laughs> well, I think it would, it would. Not that he's deaf, would... doesn't sit well. I just mean, that. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean that, like, uh, this hasn't been a, you know, characteristic of him until now. No, and it's it's not necessary either. Although I I do think that the one neat thing about it is that it kind of shows it serves to like point out that he's not powered. You know, like this this guy is suffering consequences of going toe to toe with superpowered individuals. Uh, so it to to that extent I'd give it credit, but at the same time, you know, like I hope they use it for something down the line instead of just saying like oh because the character's this way, we got it wrong before, let's try to retcon it now. Yeah. Um it's what it feels like. It do, it does it does feel that way. Um but the the episode kind of pivots to Kate a lot in this first episode. Like I feel like it focuses in on her story. Uh which we get to see her um I guess get in trouble with pulling some sort of like stunt at her uh university. But uh, she brings down the clock tower with the with the, the little uh, bow and arrow trick she's got with her friends. Um, the relationship, obviously, between her and her mom seems strained, even from the opening scene where, you know, she's a little girl. I guess we're supposed to pay attention to the fact that her mom and her dad were having an argument right before the New York City attack. Yeah, you were uh, supposed to pay attention to that. Yeah, they're like, oh, they're, they're definitely at odds about something, something about losing their money because she talks about losing the penthouse. But then she gets richer, doesn't she? She does, which is what's going to be, I guess that's the A storyline here is like the mystery behind what exactly is up with Kate's mom. For anybody who's read the comics, it's it's a little bit different than this, but they kind of reverse the roles here. It's Kate's mom that ends up dying in the comics and not her father. Which in here, it's her father ends up getting killed because of the Chitauri attack. Um, so there's unanswered questions, right? It kind of like jumps uh, forward in time and their situation seems to be a lot better. She's got herself a new man. <laughs> um, Which I love Tony Dalton. I was like, oh, all right. We got a little Better Call Saul in the mix. Yeah, I wasn't expecting them to bring in uh, the swordsman into the show, <laughs> who was one of uh, Hawkeye's mentors in the, the comics. Obviously. Very, very different role here. Uh, but they're they're really pulling some of these like C and D list characters <laughs> wherever they can into the universe, which I, I appreciate when it fits. And then sometimes I'm just like, all right, well, it could have just been another character, you know. Well, they gotta make Jeremy Renner look better, right? Pretend that yeah. he's at the top of the list. He was really just bring the rest of the list yeah. down. Listen, listen, don't hate on <laughs> Jeremy Renner, man. Like he, he was the creator of the very, very popular Jeremy Renner social media app. Like you can't. You can't rag on my guy like that. He was also in what was that movie? Tag. Listen, man, Tag was an incredible Oscar-worthy film. Okay. Oh like, yeah. I don't, yeah. The Oscars have gone down to touch, so I guess you're right. Well, we're not in the '90s anymore, so yeah, it has gone down <laughs> quite a bit. 
but yeah, they they do pivot to Kate. Uh, in the the bulk of the episode is where they tie in the Ronin bit. Uh, of her being in the black market going on beneath the gala, which is like, yeah, I guess that's normal. I I liked it. I liked that sequence. That you know, it kind of shows her ingenuity on how to like you know blend in and and try to go a little covert there. But wait, one thing to to kind of touch on before we continue further. Uh, she clearly gets inspired by Hawkeye in that opening sequence, right? Like she notices the guy with the bow and the arrow. And the opening credit sequence is almost like showing you her training over the years, um, I guess, as a result of it, right? Yeah, at the funeral of her father, she said that she needs to get a bow because she needs to protect her family, which is like probably not the message I would have taken from the events of the Avengers. But yeah, she was inspired. She became a black belt and then uh, became an ace archer because she wants to be like Hawkeye. And who doesn't, man? I don't. I'd rather <laughs> be like Iron Man. like Jeremy Renner. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah, no. So she she's clearly a Hawkeye fangirl. An important detail to take note for later. But I guess she's grown suspicious of... Uh, there's an interaction between um, Jack's uh, uncle and, and herself, right? At the at this gala. She gets... Uh, she gets yeah, I need to rewatch that because i don't really know i don't remember what they talked about he basically tells her that oh your mom is engaged to my nephew um and he, he makes it clear that he doesn't approve of the relationship no wasn't there a conversation between jack and his uncle at, um, the, at the black at market? the black market yeah a couple scenes after um after that scene between him the uncle and uh and kate but that that's just to kind of add context as to why she goes and spies on on the um on Jack and I guess and, and his uncle at this black uh black market event. Um where it looks like, you know, Jack being in someone of of a swords collector, right, is bidding on the a Ronin suit and the Ronin um sword. Which apparently is collapsible. Which in, in in that case also like why why have a sheath for that sword to begin with if it's collapsible? <laughs> oh, are you willing to uh, hop onto my team and nitpick at this show? Look, I'm just saying. Like I'm that, with you, man. I'm with you. <laughs> it just you know the the sheath looks so cool. You know he was using both and anyway whatever he was using both in Endgame, which is why I was the like, collapsible wait a uh, sword was actually kind of kind of a neat idea. It is a neat idea, but why have a sheath for it? <laughs> you know, that's the that's a red herring. People are like their eye goes to that, thinking you're going to draw from there, and then you really just had the sword out the whole time. Oh, you know what? You might be right. Mm-hmm. You're probably way off, but I'm going to say that you're right here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this this de- develops develops into a bit of a murder mystery, uh, with uh, Jack's uncle ending up dead. Um. And like so, uh, the tracksuit mafia breaking up the the um, black market auction. Yeah, I saw. I thought it was the sweatsuit crew. <laughs> the sweatsuit crew. But it's tracksuit. It's uh, the tracksuit mafia, also from Matt Fraction's comic book run of Hawkeye. So what a terrible villain! <laughs> Is that really yeah. the best we could do? It looks like they're meant to be comic relief in, in the comics. They're not really like a big threat. Yeah, if you want to laugh at it's like Team Rocket in Pokemon. 
Yeah, that's their whole point. Um, no, I don't think we've seen the villain yet for this for this series. Um, we might have seen one, but and I think that's uh, no, it's Kate's mom. You don't think it's Tony Dalton? This guy is clearly hiding something. I mean, he might be one, but I and think Kate's killed, mom is. And he killed Uncle Armand. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's Kate's mom. Whoa. I think it's Kate's mom that killed him. That'd be a real twist. She's being very suspicious, like you mentioned before. She's rich all of a sudden again. No worries in the world. And she's awfully like calm about the situation that's kind of going on between Kate and this tracksuit mafia fiasco that she gets herself into later on. Um, but yeah, like so it basically delves into a murder mystery. Kate ends up leaving the or stealing the Ronin suit from the uh, from from the black market event after uh, Jack steals the collapsible sword, which good on him. I mean, I probably would have gone for that too, to be honest. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, he um, bought it. He paid for it. Technically, he stole it. <laughs> he stole it, so he doesn't have to buy it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> But, but yeah. the episode ends with Clint coming to save Kate because she was cornered by the tracksuit mafia. I hate that I have to say that. <laughs> the tracksuit mafia. I still can't believe they added them into the MCU. And it ends with a real uh, table turn for Clint where he's now uh, like T'Challa who doesn't know who the other person is. Yes. Don't remember wait, that reference. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> in Civil War, when he's like, I'm Clint. He's like, I don't care. Huh. <laughs> no? All right. It's, it's true. labored. It's okay. We did. We we do get a nice little uh, fangirl moment from from her recognizing that he's uh, Hawkeye. Um, also, one thing to point out from episode one, we got the introduction to Pizza Dog, which is uh, another character I didn't think would make it into the MCU, but here we are. <laughs> that's, um, a, like, that's a thing. Yeah, his nickname is Pizza Dog. I don't know what his act. I think it's Lucky or something like that. But jeez, this show has really gone to the dogs. Literally. Yeah, that's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> Even better when you explain it. Yes. <laughs> so episode two, I think it just kind of carries on. I feel like it, they did a good thing releasing both episodes at once, though, because I feel like they kind of ended it with episode one, and we were waiting another week or so. It, it's kind of like a soft. Uh, end there right well, like, I, I took a day break between it i was like i'm not watching these back to back wow okay yeah. well i was i i, I went on <laughs> i saw the second episode right after second episode titled hide and seek uh this is kate leads clint back to her apartment and they have another fight with the tracksuit mafia they just keep fighting these guys like four yeah. times in the first two episodes yeah they're not much of a threat either. Like you, you get the sense, uh, especially during this uh, episode, that um, Clint's like not all that bothered or challenged by them, obviously. But um, he's after the Ronin suit. It gets lost in the in the scuffle of uh, of trying to get away from the from the tracksuit mafia, and so the two of them end up going to Kate's aunt's house, I guess, where she breaks into her apartment. Right. And then it delves into this. Weird storyline, I think, for me, where, um, well, not storyline, but like story point where uh, Clint goes to a LARP event because he very conveniently was able to sneak in as a firefighter to the Kate's burned apartment. Um, and somehow just so happens 
that this LARPer is a firefighter and has a sticker of his LARPer event uh, at on the fire truck. Yeah, like that guy's getting beat up at work if he puts a LARP sticker on his fire truck. For real, everybody knows you do not put your LARP sticker in your fire truck. You, you clearly put it at your cubicle, right? Behind your computer where you could cover it up whenever the, um, you know, your 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 main crush of the office walks by. If you just like cover it up real quick and you're like, oh no, no LARP sticker here. Yeah, what was up with this sequence? Like the use of slow motion was terrible. The grunt, like they they would make the movements slow motion and then the voices also in slow motion, but like it didn't work. And every single fight in this show has very loud grunting. I didn't notice that. Um, the LARP, the, the LARP event I did, but I figured like that was, you know, on purpose to kind of accentuate how ridiculous. ridiculous, yeah, it is. <laughs> but the other fights I didn't really get all that much of. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe I have to give it another a go. Yeah, it was very distracting. It was like a laugh track for a sitcom. Oh, OK. Once well, you hear it, it's all you're going to hear. Well, let's see. <laughs> um. So I, I guess the whole thing here is like the, the you know, the, the, the death of Armand, uh, and I don't know how to pronounce his name, Duquan, Duquan, is that? Jack. No, 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 Armand, the, the, the uncle that gets murdered at, at the end of the first episode. Right. Um, the blame is placed on, on Kate, who was um, kind of stupidly wearing the Ronin costume when she went in to sneak into uh, Armand's apartment to just, I guess, confront him about what the weird conversation was between him and his and her mom this this second episode for me i think was a little bit of a i think it was it was less um impactful for me than the first episode was uh it just kind of took the the larping story just kind of took me out of it a little bit like i didn't really know what the point of it was if he's just gonna you know get the suit the the other point too is like if if the suit's very important for him to cover up his tracks uh, what was it doing in the Avengers compound? <laughs> you know, like, uh, it was destroyed. So I'm pretty sure. Oh, well, yeah. What? Why was he even there in the first place? Right. Like, I'm pretty sure he had it on during the final fight with Thanos. Really? Yeah. Oh, he had on the, the Ronin suit, at least the, the, the like jacket and all that and the sword because he definitely used the sword. Yeah, and here's what else doesn't make sense is like now that you got the suit back, why are you getting further into the mess of the tracksuit gang? Who cares? Are you ever gonna put it back on? Like there's no there's no need to rectify anything. You have the suit, just go back to home with your family. Like (laughs) you won. The whole point the whole point of it, I guess, is like he he made a lot of enemies wearing that suit. And so now now they, they think that Kate is um Ronan, they're coming after her, and so. But what do you what do you do to clear her of that? You know, like how does that, how does he get that heat off of her? I don't know. <laughs> I don't see any way for him to, you know, not. Um, I don't see any way for him to resolve this for Kate and have him go back to his family in one piece. Especially after she kind of opened up a big can of worms by by simply just wearing that suit. Yeah, so there's still a lot of questions in this show. At the end, though, he th- there was a nice little nod to to Black Widow by uh, playing. Uh, I think Clint's playing catch and release with the 
tracksuit mafia to get to the bottom of who their boss is. Uh, and catch and release is a tactic that Black Widow was using, I think, in the first Avengers, uh, right before she gets called up, which is essentially you get yourself captured on purpose so that you find out what you need to find out and then, you know, make your own escape. Uh, which gets wrecked because uh, Kate decides that she's going to try and save Clint, thinking he's actually in trouble. So that's how the episode kind of ends. And we're introduced to the death boss of the tracksuit mafia. Maya Lopez, which uh, is Echo in the comic books, which is another big character that's getting her own Disney Plus spin-off <laughs> in a few months. Um, that I'm excited about, though, because I feel like um, the Echo character from the, from the comics is a character that I feel like is very important for in terms of like not just like representation side, but like I, I think from a story perspective, there's a lot of really cool things to uh, to tell with her character. Not the best introduction to her at all. <laughs> I think they probably could have hyped her, hyped up her entrance into the world a little bit better. But um, I'm interested to see what they do with her here. Like, is she gonna play a full-on bad guy, or like, what's her role here? Somebody I don't know anything about, so I didn't even know that she was getting another show. Yeah, she's getting her own spinoff show, which uh, there's a lot of people excited over that. There's characters, man, that are that are getting attention right now on Disney Plus that. People have been like begging uh, Marvel to do content with that. I feel like anybody that's not read a comic has no idea who these characters are and would just consider them throwaway characters before you get to know them at all. Uh, but introducing somebody like Maya Lopez introduces a whole bunch of other opportunities for the show to kind of expand. And so between her and, you know, we know Charlie Cox is back in as matt murdoch or daredevil in the this upcoming spider-man movie like I'm, I'm sure this is what i meant by like this show kind of introducing those street level heroes i think that that's where marvel's going with the show yeah and it's not that i'm in that group that will just throw away people that i don't know but it's just like you have too many people this is yeah. not a comic book store you can't just have a thousand shows like <laughs> Well, that's the thing. I feel like that's why they're even doing these, because I feel like if you there's not enough content to put this these types of characters on a movie and like trust them to hold up their own franchise. It's kind of like what they're doing with Miss Marvel, which is I, I think that that's the show to watch um, in terms of like, it, are these kinds of characters going to be successful or not in this new phase of storytelling for Marvel? Um, because for a lot of people, especially when like when I was you know in high school though it's these characters that kind of caught people's attention that were getting people to read comic books at that time so they're very important to um a very subset of fans um and especially for people who've been pining for like more representation in comics and it's kind of my gripe on it and sorry to kind of go off on a little bit of a tangent here but I feel like there's one there's one thing that's kind of bothered me about these changes in, in the phase four of Marvel. There's really cool characters that they're not necessarily giving them the proper resources to introduce. Um, like like I said, a character like Miss Marvel's getting a Disney Plus show, she should be getting a movie. Like if you're if they're really interested in 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 putting her out there and giving us, you know, quote unquote representation, it should be a movie's worth of investment for that character. So that's my one gripe on this. <laughs> and again, I feel like you get more out of a show, though. 
Um, I do. I think content-wise, you do. But but here's the thing: like the general audience is going to brush these characters off on the show. They're yeah, not, you're right. They're not that... going to be interested in a character from a Disney Plus show. They're they're going to be interested in a character that is introduced in the movie. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't get as much publicity, and it doesn't get as much like hype on release. So I do hear you on that. But content-wise, that character is going to get a lot more development from a 10-part series than it would in a two-hour movie that has to have a rise and a fall. Well, they, they definitely are. It's just that I feel like it's a slower build, and sometimes it does a disservice when the purpose is to give these characters more opportunity. Like, for example, um, Miles Morales, right? Like, when he was introduced, um, and I remember this because I, I was a really big fan of the Ultimate Spider-Man comics, they killed off Peter Parker and they introduced Miles Morales. And a lot of the fan base was like, oh, well, you're literally just taking Peter Parker and making him black now. And then, you know, that's what you're doing. And so many people were upset about it. And so, like, when, when the book actually came out, a couple of issues into the into the story, you get you got the sense that this is an actual, like, unique character. But it took a while to get to that point, right? But Marvel really put a lot of effort into pushing out the story and and making the audience like kind of being like hey look this is not just peter parker 2.0 it's a separate kid with a separate set of problems um and i feel like uh there are certain characters where i feel like it's worth maybe pizzazzing them i guess a little bit more uh through through a movie than than through a show because like i said somebody like maya lopez awesome character deserves like the red carpet (laughs) You know, but here on this show, she gets what five seconds of a really weird, ominous red light scene. <laughs> um, it, she's like a teaser for the next episode, but you you don't know anything about her. You don't, you know, you don't get to see how badass she is at first. You just like, well, you can't do all of that in one episode. I mean, if they don't do that at all in the next episode, then yeah, I think you can be a little bit more upset, but. There's only so much they can put into an introduction and have it be a cliffhanger. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is like I feel like that there's a character that kind of deserves her own franchise or like a, a bigger enough intro, I guess, than to just kind of have her be introduced at the end of one um, episode of the series and not like build up to that moment at all. It's kind of like, a, oh, by the way, here's this character. Um. Anyway, that's just one thing that's kind of bothered me about this new phase of Marvel, where it's like, it's like we take a couple steps, to you know, into of of progress, and then like a few steps back. Well, it, it yeah, it does feel like they had it all figured out, phases one through three, and now that they've gotten rid of their main heroes, it's like, where where do we go next? And they're all like trying to run in so many different directions, and it's like, it's fine, but it's also really distracting. Right. And and I hope they get a better hang of it too. Like I said, Miss Marvel is going to be the ultimate test here because uh, that that's a character that I feel like they can't afford to get wrong because um, I know she means a lot to a lot of people and especially the kind of social commentary of her character was very very important for those sets of stories. And I have a feeling that you know we're based on what we've seen from some of these other introductions we've gotten, it's just going to kind of be brushed aside. <laughs> Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm getting ahead of myself here. I just, I just thought I, I just wanted to point that out as we're, you know, talking about the show. 
Yeah, you can't get too far ahead of yourself. I think, Ivan, I think you're on the right track there. But also Young Avengers. <laughs> okay, now, you, and yeah. If you bring up Mephisto, then we're, we'll have the hat trick. We'll have the bingo. You're like, that's enough. I'm shutting you down. <laughs> I'm shutting you down. <laughs> yeah, let's let's go ahead and get out of the booth here. Uh, let's, let's call it there. We still have a few more episodes to go on this, so you never know. It might turn around. It might become a good series. Yeah. I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you now you agree. No, honestly, like I I've I've enjoyed it. I, th- I, I thought it's good up to this point. Um, I am kind of saddened that you don't that you don't like it. I, th- I thought it's it was not really bad, good. and it might get better, but it's just like it's not captivating. Like if your funniest bit is like a LARPing scene, I don't know. I'm not that into it. Yeah. Well, you know what? I feel like this show probably would have done better if this was the first show coming out of Disney Plus's Marvel venture, right? Because I think the other ones are much bigger in scale. It would just be forgettable. But yeah. yeah, it would have been a soft intro into becoming a series. But then it also might have ruined things for like the other shows where like you kind of write them off before they even start. So I'd rather have those be really good and be like, let me give this a benefit of the doubt and hold on. Hey, one thing to note before we sign off here: this show supposedly, and 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 this is another thing. Um, this is supposed to take place two years after Endgame. I guess it's set parallel to Spider-Man: No Way Home. In which case, uh, do you think we're going to see any tie-in to this? Because I think the second-to-last episode releases right around the same time that No Way Home debuts. No, I think the only MCU thing we'll get would probably be um, what's her name, Yelena. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. Yelena Belova. That's the only thing, outside thing I think I could see. It will be good to see Florence Pugh again. It would, yeah. I, I hope they do. I, I, she probably won't come in to steal the show, but it would be cool to see like a one-off scene or something like that with her. Maybe she does steal the show, and it becomes the Yelena Belova show for the last two episodes. Oh, it would be so much better than this <laughs> Kate Bishop nonsense. <laughs> How dare you, sir? Kate Bishop is a queen, okay? <laughs> and on that note, let's leave. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so as always, if you think we missed something, which we probably did, feel free to hit us up on Twitter at BT Fourth Wall. Uh, otherwise, uh, check out our Spider-Man series where we're talking about all the ch- ongoing trilogies uh, in prep for the No Way Home movie being released in the middle of December. Uh, otherwise. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.